right, good stuff. We are better together. Today we're going to be reading in Acts chapter 5. If you brought a Bible along or if you want to pull your program out, it'll be right on that right panel uh, that we just read from on the inside of your program. And you can follow along on the screen. The apostles, after Jesus' crucifixion, death, and resurrection, were having a tough go of it. Uh, And I mean a really tough go of it. They were being persecuted for their faith on the left and on the right. And you can imagine that their heads were spinning a bit. Wondering, because they had just seen their Savior crucified, if they might be next. And certainly the threat was real. Peter, John, and the others were cast into jail and prison because of their confession of faith. They were beaten. They were threatened. And they were told plainly and clearly Don't preach this message about Jesus ever again. Just shut up about it. You may remember the pretty famous line that they spoke back. When the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders, and the Romans, and the others came after them, that line was, sorry, We must obey God rather than men. They were rescued several times from their jail cell miraculously. One time they were checked on because they were supposed to be in jail. And and the officials went, the officials of the Sanhedrin went and looked at the jail cell and it was perfectly sealed up. All the guards were still in place. And yet the report was that they were in the temple courts teaching that blasted message about Jesus again. What I'm about to read to you is from one of those occasions in Acts chapter 5. And I just wanted you to have a little background because the very first verse is, when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. And you may have wondered, had I not given you that background, why were they so ticked off? Well, you just heard why. So let's hear the rest of the story now. And uh, we'll go on from there and we'll dive into it, break it down. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. This is the Jewish official council, the leadership team of the Jews. He stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed them, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. At this point, that's far more than the disciples. He was killed. All his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. 
After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all of his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His, his speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name, and we could add the word again. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And that's the verse that I want us to really focus on today, and I'll, I'll give you a little further background about it, but let me read it one more time. Verse 42, day after day, despite these troubles and persecutions, despite the hardships, what did they do? Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. I don't know how you feel about trouble in your life. I don't know if you're feeling right now that my life is more than full of trouble. Trouble I don't want, trouble I don't need, and I wish it would go away. Maybe you're living in relative peace right now and you wonder, when's the other shoe going to drop? I know it can't go on forever. And we all know that, right? We know that life is going to present challenges. In fact, there's a, a great quote I want to share with you that I absolutely love. It's a quote by Aristotle Onassis. Many younger people won't remember that name, but some of the older ones will. This is the man that Jackie Kennedy, the, the wife to President John F. Kennedy, married many years after her husband, John F. Kennedy, died. Well, he was a sailor and sailed all around the Mediterranean Sea. And this is what he said from all of his sailing experience. We must free ourselves of the hope that the sea will ever rest. We must learn to sail in high winds. How do you feel about that? Do you, do you feel that life is a little bit like an ocean? I hope you do, because that is the case, and I'll, I'll show you why that's the case. Living in a fallen world, a world brought about by Adam and Eve's first sin, but continued by our sins, in this fallen world, there is trouble, and there is hardship, and there is challenge. And we can do what most human beings do, wish it away. Or we can acknowledge reality. This is life. And we can, and that's what today's message is about. We can learn how to sail in high winds. You can do it. I can do it. 
God makes it possible for all of us to learn to sail in high winds. And that is the absolute beauty of these words. And it is exactly why when we read in 542, day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Why did they never stop? Why was it day after day? Why was it clearly a habit and a practice? Because they were sailing in high winds in their life. And they knew if there's anything such sailors need, like you and me, in our spiritual lives, it's God's Word, and it's especially Jesus Christ and the good news that He has for us. And that's what we want to talk about today. How can we make this a practice in our own lives that we're constantly, day after day, in touch with the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ, so that it can help us float our boat in the midst of constant high seas? You've noticed it, haven't you? Maybe you're ill, and just about as you're uh, ready to, to feel better, then something else hits you. And when you're ready to feel better from that, then something else hits you, and you're like, oh, I am so tired of being tired, so sick of being sick. This, this is life. And so learning to sail in the high seas is so important. I want to talk to you this morning about, first of all, the big three of spiritual development. To sail in high seas, you're going to need to have resilience, courage, perseverance. You're going to need all of that, but you know what you're especially going to need? Other sailors, friends who will man your ship with you and help you stay afloat. And you, in turn, need to be sometimes ready to jump off the ship of your life onto someone else's ship and help them sail through the high seas. And that is the beauty of how God meant for Christian life and living to work. If we're going to be strong and resilient, if we're going to have health, which is what we all want, especially health of our soul, how do we go about that? And I, I want to teach you the big three of spiritual development. These three practices... If you do these, you know what's going to happen? Your soul is going to get stronger, more courageous, more at peace, and more resilient. And that's why I'm bringing these big three to you today. I, I want to compare it to what if you want to be physically strong and resilient? Have any of you ever been taught that there are actually three basic kinds of exercises that we'll want to engage in? if we want to be physically strong and resilient. I love this chart here because it lists them. If you want to be physically strong and resilient, it's important to do some things like stretching that keep you flexible. On the other hand, you want your cardiovascular system also to be healthy. Have you ever noticed, and I, I, I can't recall exactly how many systems there are in your body, but, but it's a lot. And have you ever noticed that, let's say there are nine of them, that if, 
eight out of nine are healthy and that ninth one is not, what happens to your entire body? Your whole body is going to feel sick, right? And not strong and resilient. And then finally, if you want to, um, to be strong, you want to do resistance exercise, weightlifting. That'll help you, your muscular system be strong and resilient. Well, I want to compare the health of your soul and the resilience of your soul to the health of your body and the resili resilience of your body. And I'm going to give you three things. And I'm going to back up. So we're in, when we started today's message, we were in Acts chapter 5. I want to back up to Acts chapter 2 toward the very end of Acts. And, and you know, you've heard before from this stage, Pastor Dustin has said it, I've said it. I could have said it earlier when we did our confession of sins. Why do we do a confession of sins? Because what is the church at its very root? Do you know the answer to that? The church at its very root is a hospital for sinners. We're not here because we're perfect. We're not here because we're naturally strong and resilient, which is why when the storms rise, our first our, our head first goes to, help me out of this, Lord, stop the storm. Not, I need to learn how to sail in high seas. So th this church and every other truly Christian church is here for sinners to come to and hear about how Jesus heals them of their sins. That's why we do the confession every last week, so you can hear about your healing. But the church is not only a hospital for sinners. It's also meant to be a gym for sinners. It, it's meant to help you work out your faith. As the Bible says, work it out with faith and trembling. Because God wants you to get stronger and stronger, more resilient, and so what are, similar to those physical things, the three things God has given us? Well, let's go back to Acts 2, 42 to 47. And in there, this is the very first church that was set up after Jesus' death and resurrection, following the day of Pentecost. And I want to point out some things to you. And I, I broke it up. It's not in exact order because... The, the thoughts needed to be regrouped to show you this clearly, but they're all there. First of all, look on your, on your notes and you'll see the first packet of verses. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Well, let me just ask you to help me fill the, the first blank below in. What are we as Christians doing when we are filled with awe about God and what he's doing? And when we come together in a large space so that we can honor God, what is, what is that? That's called church. From the very beginning, the Christians got together to worship in awe about who God is, and to lift him up. So what's the first activity that will make your spirit strong? The early church apostles knew, if we're going to go through all this persecution and trouble, number one, we got to be worshiping together. 
We got to be singing beautiful songs together, hearing God's word together, listening to someone teach us. So let's meet. They didn't have a church building in those days. Let's meet in a public space, a, a space that everyone amongst us is used to. Let's get together in the temple courts, the, the place where Solomon's colonnade was. And, and groups often gathered there for teaching and worship. Number one, if you want to be strong, worship regularly. Number two, let's look at the next set of verses. All the believers, and you can see I've highlighted some things here to kind of give you a little tip off, were together and had everything in common, meaning my stuff is your stuff. Your stuff is my stuff. You need to borrow my truck? Well, these early Christians said, that's not really my truck. I'm just a steward and a manager of it. It's God's truck. You want to use the truck? Take God's truck and go. Haul your stuff. That's how th that was the spirit of all these Christians in the early day. They, they even sold their trucks. Maybe they didn't have trucks. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. What, what was the beauty of that? Well, it's all about what Pastor Dustin talked about last week. The importance of serving together. The importance of seeing where needs need to be met. To open our eyes and say, there's a need here. Whether it be at church or in our growth group or just individually among Christian friends, and that is a need that I can help meet. Maybe I can make a small contribution toward it. Maybe I can make a large contribution to it. A contribution maybe of money or goods, but maybe of time. What more valuable asset do you have than your time? So that together we have friends who support one another. And what's the final one? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Do you know what that one is? They didn't just meet in the temple courts. Do you see clearly here it says they also got together in their homes and broke bread together, meaning they, they ate together. Maybe even they had communion together in their homes and while they were gathered there, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and a fellowship, which means just holding things in common and hanging out with each other. Remember, this is the very first church right after the day of Pentecost. What a model for us to follow. And what's the last thing? They wanted to grow, didn't they, in their faith? And that's why they were studying the apostles' teaching. They wanted to help others grow in their faith. So they came together so that the teaching could be shared. And they did this in their homes, not in any forced way, as I highlighted here. They did it with glad and sincere hearts. All right, let's go back to the diagram. Stretching, cardio, cardio resistance or weight training. That's what these three are. Worship, serve, and grow. 
And guess what? If the church is a gym, then what we do, just like at your gym, if you go to, say, LA Fitness, you're going to find spaces to do resistance training. In fact, in most gyms, that's the biggest space is devoted to that. You're going to find at the, at the LA Fitness on 30, you're going to find upstairs a bunch of cardio equipment that you can use. And then you're going to find, I guess people don't like to stretch quite as much because you're going to find a little area on one side of the gym where you can get some mats and do your stretching. I know I don't care for stretching all that much. It's painful. But if I want to be healthy, if I want to be resilient, if I don't want to injure myself, how important is even stretching, right? A church has spaces too. A church has a space where we can worship. A, a church has spaces where we can serve one another. In fact, as you go out today, you're going to notice the sign-up sheets based on Pastor Dustin's beautiful message from last week about the importance of service. They're still out there because we still need your help. We still want your help. And we believe that by serving, you actually become stronger and more resilient. Do you remember what Jesus said at the end of his longest sermon? He did the parable of the wise and foolish builders. And I'm not going to go all the way back into it. If you grew up a Christian, you probably sang the song. The wise man built his house on the rock. But the point that Jesus is making there is to build your spiritual house of faith on a rock. You must listen to God's word and put it into practice. Every service ministry that we have, whether it's children's ministry, the tech table, the worship team, helping make sure people are warmly greeted on Sundays, and I could go on and on, the cafe, Every one of them is an opportunity for you to strengthen your faith by serving together with friends. And so it's not just to have you serve that we set these environments up so that the work of the church can get done. That's a huge misconception. Can I just say that? That we, we set up all these teams so that the work of the church can get done. God will do the work of the church, with or without us, to be honest with you. And I'm not saying you're not important because you are to the work of the church. And those environments are really primarily meant to be practice fields. Remember when you played football or volleyball or softball? Remember how many games you played compared to how many practices you had? And when you were practicing, you weren't practicing against opponents. You were practicing with your teammates and your friends to get better so that when the opponent came, you were ready. Well, I can tell you your spiritual opponent is waiting for you outside those doors. He will meet you as soon as you walk outside of them, even before you get your key in the car. And he will be telling you lies. But if you worship regularly, 
Make it a practice, a habit. If you serve regularly on the practice fields where your Christian friends are giving you encouragement and help, it's amazing what can happen when you walk out those doors. Because you will learn through those things to fight Satan back and to keep him at bay. And the final one is the most powerful one. If you read this again, I want to read it again and I want to tell you Do you know you have the exact same environments at Amazing Love as these verses describe here in Acts chapter 2? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, meaning eating together, and to prayer. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Some of you may not even realize we have environments like that. Do you know what we call them? Some of these people down here, they know what we call them because they're involved in it. They're called growth groups. And in our growth groups, because we want to grow, as the title says, we meet together in homes with glad and sincere hearts. And I will tell you, in the two groups that I'm in, in the men's group on Saturday, on the On the veterans group, I like to call them veterans, not because they're military veterans. They've just lived a little life, as have I. There's there's no one going, oh, man, I wish I didn't have to do this. Every week, they come together and they say, I'm so glad I get to do this because I grow in my faith. I build Christian friendships. It's amazing. And now that I've experienced this, now that I've experienced this, I approach growth groups with glad, a glad and sincere heart. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you on these three things. And I, and I want to point out that verse 46 says, every day they continued to meet together. I don't know if you are into physical fitness, but I I will tell you that of all the tips that I've ever gotten that sometimes has helped me but often has not because I wasn't listening to it and I wasn't doing it, it's all the exercise experts saying this. One word. You know what the one word is if you want to be physically healthy? It's consistency. Consistency. If you work out really, really hard for one day and you go to the gym and you knock it out of the park on that day and the next day you're horribly sore and so you decide, I need some recovery time, and then that stretches out into more and more recovery time, that one workout is not going to end up doing you much good. However, if you take 15 minutes, 15 little minutes out of your day to go for a walk, the pearls live in my neighborhood. We are always meeting them out on our evening walk every day, practically. They're a model of consistency. But if you can take just 15 minutes and do some exercise, stretch some, cardiovascular some, resistance training some, you will, because of consistency, get better. Here's what I want you to to write down on point two. What you need is direction, not perfection. 
It doesn't have to be an hour workout every day. You just need to start moving in the right direction. If you haven't gone on a walk for a while or you haven't been in the gym for a while, just go there for 15 minutes. Tell yourself, I'm just going to spend 15 minutes here and then I'm leaving. And then do that again the next day and the next day and the next day. Your body will get stronger. Well, the same is true about your spiritual growth. A little devotion, 15 minutes a day. A little being in prayer every day. A little bit connecting with worship once a week. A little bit connecting in a growth group once a week. A little bit of volunteering to serve when you can consistently. And you will get stronger. Remember, you're not seeking perfection, not in a fallen world, you being a sinful fallen person. You're seeking direction. And remember also that growth is a process in which we want to be consistent. Look at this verse I put here for you. These require consistency. Notice those verbs. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. First thing I want to point out to you is the ing. This is especially strong in the Greek language, but when you have a present participle like that, I'm taking you back to your English days in high school now, it actually, the verb itself indicates that there was a consistency to it. It was something that went on and on and on. But then I also want you to know the focal points. It was all about God and people. They, they worshiped and praised God. They helped and served one another until people were bragging about them. Amazing. These Christian people, they're, they're amazing. Look at how they serve. No one else who is persecuted like they are keeps on going publicly. Everybody else stops. You heard what Gamaliel said. We just killed him and all their followers scattered. But not the Christians. No matter how hard it was, no, no matter how big the need was, the Christians stepped forward, raised their hand and said, how about me? Can I help? What can I do to serve in this situation? That was part of the Christian character. Take a look at what, not a Christian, but a very famous, unbelieving man, but was a famous philosopher said, before Jesus, this is hundreds of years before Jesus, he said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not an act, but a habit. People in the world will tell you that, so we're not out of line on this message, even with people of the world, that if we want to be excellent in our faith, excellent in our spiritual strength, it's what we repeatedly do. Do we worship repeatedly and regularly? Do we grow repeatedly and regularly? Do we serve repeatedly and regularly because an excellent faith will always be consistent? And we will repeat doing these things over 
and over again. We want to do that so that, and here's your next fill-in, grow up into Jesus and grow together with one another. I have a picture of a tree. You ever notice how trees grow? Beautiful tree, right? And I've shown you similar pictures in the past because I love how trees not only grow up, they grow out. I, I didn't measure it, but I wish I had measured. Is that tree actually higher or wider? Anybody want to take a stab at it? I, I can't tell you whether you're right or wrong, because like I said, I didn't, I didn't measure it. But I would guess that that tree is almost wider than it is higher. And the same is true for our faith. The more we grow up into Jesus as our Savior and as our Lord, guess what's going to happen? The more we're going to grow out in acts of service, grow out in our ability to invite any others into our circle. And then what I'll point out is, because you know it, you know how big of a root system is underneath that tree where you can't see it? where it's actually also grown down. And that's what we're being encouraged to do by this early church in Jerusalem and by these early apostles who are sailing in high seas, grow deep roots into Jesus, into the Word of God. Grow up into Jesus, grow together with one another. All right, last point. When the inevitable happens... You know what the inevitable is? Let's go back to that first slide I showed, the one with the storm-tossed ship. That's what's inevitable. Even Aristotle and NASA says it. The more we waste time saying, I wish I didn't have all these troubles, the more we blow our energy on, on trying to get out of troubles that are going to just keep coming at us, it's a waste. Go ahead and pray if you want that God would reduce your troubles. I'm not opposed to that. I don't think the Bible's opposed to that. However, the Bible is far more on the side of in faith, learn how to sail in high seas. Be ready. All these apostles had to sail in high seas to the point of their death by persecution. God did not take it away from them. And so the importance here that we're learning is we need to think of hardship in our life and challenge in our life as inevitable. It's coming for us. Look, look at uh, the next set of verses. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped. Why? Because the troubles kept coming. Teaching. And proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So how do we deal with that? How do you sail in high seas? Well, I'll tell you that every sailor will say, you better have a reason why you're out there in stormy seas. And you better have a true north. Which in Christian terms is this, your true north is your purpose. Look at this quote from Tim Tebow. Now, Tim Tebow's had a great deal of success in his life. He's also had a number of challenges. 
By far in my life, the greatest joys, the greatest fulfillment didn't come from sports. Came from saying yes when you say yes to living the purpose that God has for you. It will always, always be worth it because Jesus makes it possible. Go right on to the next slide. Jesus says this in John, John chapter 16. What does Jesus do? He says, you know, want to know what's inevitable? In this world, you'll have trouble. But you can make something else inevitable, he goes on to say. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. What does Jesus also want to be inevitable in the midst of the high seas? That you can sail those seas still with a heart of peace. In this world, you will have trouble. It's inevitable. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That's inevitable too. It's already done. And so as we go through troubles, let them draw us to the heart of Jesus. Let us be drawn to his strength, his purpose, like Tim Tebow said. That we are here in these high seas together for a reason. And I want you to see this. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Write this down. It's inevitable that tough times will come. The good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel good news I'm talking about, is also able to make faith, hope, and love inevitable too. You can learn to sail the high seas by remembering Jesus' promise that he made on that slide in John chapter 15. Take heart. Take heart in those high seas. Because I, Jesus, your Lord and Savior, have already overcome everything that you are facing. It's inevitable that tough times will come. The good news is you can make it through faith in Jesus. Jesus can make it so that faith, hope, and love are always inevitable too. Will you pray about joining an amazing love group where you'll meet in a home with other Christian friends and be reminded of these things and be encouraged when you're sailing through high seas? And be helped and served by these friends of yours who so dearly want to help and serve you. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for your love that you've given us Christian friends. And that you've helped us at Amazing Love to set up these home group, growth group environments where we can love and support and encourage one another. And all together learn to sail the high seas of this life where we will have trouble. Lord God, Heavenly Father, supernaturally work in our hearts to see Jesus at all times. He is our Savior from sin. He's also our Savior from all the daily troubles and challenges we must face. And help us see that in Jesus, a Savior from sin and a Savior from all our trouble because He has overcome the world. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you join with me in confessing your Christian faith in the words of, these, of the Apostles' Creed? We believe in one God, 
the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.